You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, um, first of all, sorry about yesterday. I don't know how, I mean, it, I don't think that's ever happened before. I just completely forgot to do it. It's, it's like I just, we had, uh, as I mentioned, our fridge died. And uh, fortunately, my father-in-law found a fridge on Facebook Marketplace. So we were, didn't have to compromise between, um, you know, do we get the nice one we want or do we get something that uh, we can afford but maybe isn't our favorite thing. The only issue is obviously you got to get it all set up and everything. But I just, I don't, I don't so, so that was the, the process. But I knew, I knew like he's going to be here around this time. Should have had the podcast done before. It just never done. It was like 9.30 at night when it clicked. Dude, I didn't do the podcast, and there's no way I'm about to start right now because I'll be in bed by 11, maybe. And uh, 8 o'clock is still my bedtime. So <laughs> I'm, I'm already way past bedtime, dragging today. But um, anyways, I, I just complete mental lapse that that didn't get done. And uh, obviously I wasn't happy, but I had nobody to blame but myself because I, again, just, I don't know. I don't know what happened. But anyways, good to be back. Thank you uh, to Scott for helping us with that, for picking it up, paying for it, bringing it over. I mean, we're going to pay him back, but, you know, it's Facebook Marketplace. Can't be like, hey, you know, my daughter's going to pay you later. That's, that's not how that works. But I do want to start off today. I wasn't, I wasn't even really planning on talking about it, but a lot of people keep commenting. And the more I want to, like, comment to that, the more I just, it's really sending me into an absolute rage. Um, I want to read this here. Tom Pelissero posted this. The NFL Players Association, coaches, and competition committee have all made a strong statement regarding respect among everyone on the field. We saw an increase in actions that clearly are not within the spirit and intent of this rule and not representative of the respect to opponents and others on the field. Game officials have been instructed to strictly enforce the taunting rules and players and coaches are reminded that two taunting penalties committed by an individual player will result in automatic disqualification. In addition, the taunting player may be fined and or suspended depending on the severity of the actions. This is the... Du- Who is asking for this? I've never met a person in my entire life, ever, ever, social media, in person, at football games, nothing, that has wanted anything remotely like this. Taunting should not be a penalty, period. Much less now we're talking about ejections if you do it twice. And now we have to have refs who already can't do their job because there's too much stuff, because we just keep piling on stuff. And I I, I say this every time. 
The more we try to fix stuff, the worse we make things. This is true in football. It's true in any sport. It's true in life. It's true in politics. We keep trying to fix it, and we just keep making it worse. And then we're like, well, it didn't get better, so we just got to force it more and force it more and force it more, and nothing gets fixed. And we're too stupid to recognize, hey, I keep trying to force things, and nothing gets fixed. This is, this is, this is exactly why dictatorships happen. I know we're getting a little far afield here because, you know, the NFL, I'm, not, I'm not trying to draw a direct parallel, but I'm just saying this is how it happens. You start with good intentions, and you say, this is how society should be structured. And, uh, you know, everybody will just go along with it, and it'll be great, and it'll be in a utopia, and then that doesn't happen. Well, then we just got to force people to do it, and then it still doesn't fix it. Well, we got to force it harder. and far- So it starts off real nice and real simple, and we're just going to, it's going to be great. And at no point does anybody recognize we're the problem, we're making this worse, we're the ones causing problems, and we should just back off and let everybody do whatever they want to do, and that makes everything better. No, 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 no. Things are bad, and we have to fix it. So we need to be more strict. Next thing you know, you're rounding up people that simply are not going along with things. Executing people, what, you know, depending on what regime we're talking about, that's pretty common practice. Well, obviously it's not working because not everybody's on board, so we just got to start executing people. Stu- we, human beings are really stupid. We really are. We just refuse to accept the fact that maybe we're just going in the wrong direction and we should just stop and turn around. We refuse, absolutely refuse, ever. No matter how much information gets put in our face that, hey, we're going in the wrong direction, right? I've seen it even in my own life. And plenty of red flags like, dude, this is a bad idea. We should stop doing this. It makes us not happy and it causes problems. Nah, that's not it. It's something else. It's, uh, it's, it's people just not understanding me, man. <laughs> no, you're dumb. But I'm a person and the NFL apparently is no different. They see a problem and they say, we're going to fix it. Rather than saying we're going to make things worse and acknowledging that players get into this game, it's a good thing. They get excited, they get amped up, and occasionally they lash out. They celebrate. Oh, oh, the horrors of a celebration. It just makes your skin crawl, the thought of a player being excited about doing something good on a football field. It's okay if you run at 500 miles an hour and smash into a guy and knock his chest out the back of his spine, that's fine. But if you stare him down when he gets up, that's naughty, and you're going to get a penalty, and you are in big trouble. At some point, the NFL has to realize this is a tough guy sport for tough guys, and the people running it are a bunch of wimps. And I know that gets taken too far in some cases, you know, like the Lions who are all about bravado and being tough for the sake of being tough, but at some, at some level, you got to recognize this is just violence. Football is just nothing but violence. That's just what it is. And if you don't like it, don't watch it. If you don't like it, don't run it. If you don't like it, don't coach it. Don't play it. There are certain things you can fix and certain things you can't. And you can't take certain things out of football and still let it be football. You have violent, athletic, really fast, really strong, really mean guys. And you ask them to be really violent, really fast, really strong, really mean. But then just on a, on a dime, on a whim, they just turn it off. The coaches try to make them insane people. That's what we as fans want, too. We want you to be psychopaths. I want Sedarius Smith to be an insane human being. I want him to grab a 330-pound human being, throw him on his forehead, and then chase after a much smaller, much much more innocent human being who's done nothing wrong to him, and I want him to wrap his arms around him and drive him into the ground. We ask a guy like Zadarius and a guy like Rashawn to do things like that. We love it when a, when a wide receiver catches a screen and we see Jair flash across the screen and just lay him out. And we ask them to do that. We ask them to be mean and violent. 
But if you get excited about it, we will not stand for that. What are you talking about? Which reminds me of all like the hate crime stuff. A hate crime is when you bash somebody's head in, but then you also say a naughty word. <laughs> like, and that's what we get mad about. Like, no, no, he, he deserved a whooping. It was fine when you were punching him repeatedly in the ear hole like five or six times because you talked to your girlfriend. Hey, man, that's guy code. You, you can't be doing that. But then you said a naughty word and now you go to prison. Like, Wait a minute. Wait. I don't know, man. I don't, I, don't, I don't understand life. And all this doesn't even yet address the fact that a lot of this is going to be subjective, which is the problem with all these rules to begin with. There is no fine line. We, like to, we always like to think there is, right? We look at a certain situation and we say, if that happens, they're going to get in big trouble. Right, Aaron Jones waving at a guy as he's about to score a touchdown. Clearly, he deserves a suspension and probably a 10-year prison sentence for that. No debate about it. That's the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm ashamed to call myself a Packer fan after he did that, but I still am, and I've moved on and I've forgiven him. I believe his, his, uh, his friends and family have abandoned him, rightly so, but um, you know we're, we're moving on. But there's not always going to be something that's... Again, what about staring a guy down? Is that taunting? If you hit a guy and stand over him, well, what, what constitutes standing over him? Do you actually have to physically be over him? What if you're just over his feet? What if you're uh, two yards back, but you're just staring at him? How much time do I get to look at a guy that I just hit before I have to turn around and walk away before it becomes taunting and I get ejected from the football game? This is so stupid. And again, nobody's asking for this except coaches, apparently. And that's the most shocking thing of all. Who are these pansy coaches who are watching other players say na-na-na-boo-boo, and then they go run off to Roger Goodell and tattle and force them to impose some kind of a new penalty because they don't like it that some player got mouthy after a play. It hurt their feelings. This is the most pathetic thing ever. The NFL as a whole should be completely ashamed of this. This is an embarrassment, and it's it, and, and, and again, it's not going to work. It's just going to make the product worse, and they know that. There's no, this is not even about making the product better in terms of functionality. This doesn't improve the process. This just removes something that makes us feel sad, and by us, I mean four coaches who, again, ran to Roger Goodell and started crying. And it's funny because if you actually watch the video where they, you know, go over all the new rules and all that stuff that, that have been implemented in 2021, they start off by talking about how uh, the bravery and the strength of everybody to persevere through COVID-19. It's so ironic to talk about how strong we are, but we can't handle naughty words. They even said that this is about the continued health and safety of the, of the players. This is for player safety? What are you talking about? They're not safe. You know, a lot of people, when, when all these rules come out about safety and protecting players and, and, and all those kinds of things, some people come out and they're like, this is, this is making the NFL too soft. And, and I think to a large degree, that's somewhat unfair because you're talking about some people who've had some pretty debilitating injuries. But I tell you what, the more the NFL goes in this direction, the more it's becoming clear that there's more to this than just protecting players and their bodies and their minds and all these kinds of things. It is just getting soft. And it's gone well beyond preventing paralysis. Now we're preventing hurt feelings? Get out of my face. This is pathetic. It's embarrassing. I don't care. I don't know. It's just, it's, I just wish I could sit down with, with, just be in the meeting room and just understand why this even needed to come up. 
and the fact that it's already a penalty, but they just want it to be enforced even more heavily. And, and basically that means more judgment calls, right? Because for the most part, refs are like letting a lot of stuff go. And they're like, no, 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 penalize everything. Again, so now we're talking about staring guys down. We're talking about waving as you go into the end zone. All this stuff, now you can start seeing flags fly. Can you imagine how horrible it's going to be when you see Aaron Jones crack a 75-yard run for a touchdown that gets called back because he's waving? This is what the NFL wants. They want to take away touchdowns. They want to take away wins, and they want to take away losses based on how polite these people are being to each other. This is beyond stupidity. It's pathetic and it's an embarrassment. If a team says that's not how we do things here, fine. Take care of it in-house. That's how it should be dealt with. If a team says we act professional on our team and I'm not going to tolerate that kind of nonsense, fine. Deal with it on a team-by-team basis. The NFL should not be handing down penalties. It's unbelievable. Anyways, moving on to other news. Green Bay Packers are going to be having a concert, I guess, somewhere outside prior to a game, like in the parking lot or something. Jake Owen, I've never personally heard of him, so I don't I think he's country. I googled it and it said he's a country singer. I'm gonna I'm gonna YouTube him right now, see what it sounds like. Yep, that's country. All right. Um so that's the thing. If you're into that, then uh, there you go. The Saints continue to implode. Saints veteran cornerback Patrick Robinson informed the team that he is retiring per his agent. So what are we up to now? They got a wide receiver that doesn't want to be up. So Drew Brees left. That's the biggest one. Automatically, when that happened, the Packers should have been favored by a million points, you know, because we already beat the Saints with Drew Brees. Now they lost Drew Brees. But for some reason, Vegas is like, nah, Packers still stupid. I don't know. I can't figure it out. Um, Michael Thomas, who is maybe the next best player on their team. Um, all kinds of angry right now, according to Michael Thomas, at least what he's alluding to. He's not coming out directly saying it, but he's obviously hinting it very strongly is that the Saints pressured him to not get surgery because they're having one last run at a Super Bowl with Drew Brees. And then um, now that things are not great with him, they're mad that he didn't get it taken care of. Is kind of his whole thing. So he's mad. The Saints are mad at him, and they're not talking, and he's ghosted them or whatever. I don't know. And uh, their kicker is hurt. He won't be there. A couple other guys I mentioned are going to be hurt and not playing, and now cornerback Patrick Robinson will not be playing because he's no longer in the NFL. So I told you back when the Saints were still favored to bet on the Packers a long time ago because it's ridiculous that the Packers wouldn't be favored. My bookie still only has the Packers favored by minus two and a half. Now listen, I don't really ever want anybody to put money down on things that I say because then I'm responsible for you losing money and I don't, you know, as nice as it would be to help you make money, I I would feel much worse for you losing money. But this is, let's just say... Money aside, this is ridiculous. Can anybody in the world... I, You know what I need? I need to get a, a, a Vegas betting guy. If you got any recommendations for some guys that I can bring on the pod... I'm trying to do better with that, and I want to start bringing on some regular guests as far as other uh, teams and whatnot. I also need... So I got, I got a couple lawyers lined up for any legal stuff that pops up. Teams are pretty easy to find, but uh, for the most part, those are lined up need to get a betting guy. Somebody needs to explain this to me. Maybe I'll bring a Saints guy on and be like, give me your best argument for why you would even be close. I don't get it. Really don't. But um, two and a half points is all the Packers are are getting on that. And that's just crazy to me. I, I think it would have to do with the fact that the Saints defense is supposed to be real good or something. I don't know. I really don't. I mean, I, I understand when there was question 
about Rodgers coming back that maybe you'd be worried. But as soon as Rodgers came back, it should be like at least like a, I mean, I would think like a minimum of six and a half, right? And even that, it's like, yeah, probably lean Packers on that. Two and a half? Like a field goal? You think it's going to come down to a field goal or less than a field goal? I mean, come on, man. That's what I have to decide between is are they going to win by three or uh, Come on. Come on. It's just, it's so silly. I want to get to like training camp and stuff, but, you know, it's, it's more or less the same kind of stuff that happens. So I'm not too worried about it. I mean, we've been doing that every day for an eternity. <laughs> kind of bored with it. It's important, but it's also not, and I'm tired of it. And I hate to jump into like a week one breakdown because obviously it's a little early, but I mean, what, what could possibly be the thing? Some elite defense. I mean, they got a good defensive line, great linebacker, cool. Their corners are kind of trash. I mean, Marshawn Lattimore, we could try to pretend is still a good corner, but he's really not. Um, Paulson Adebo, they got in the third round. I mean, is he going to be the savior? He's the thing that's going to make this thing go. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. They got a solid front. Cool. We got a good offensive line. Now what? How do you stop the wide receivers? I don't know how they do it. We haven't even gotten to the part where I don't know how their offense does anything. They do have good tackles. That's true. They have a horrific quarterback. That's problematic. As of right now, their number one uh, wide receiver is what, Marquez Callaway? Or who, Deontay Harris? Or Traquan Smith? The highest ranking of any wide receiver, you know, maybe they, they're going to work it out with their current wide receiver or whatever, but Callaway ranked 74th out of 127 wide receivers. That was the highest rank of any wide receiver they have. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you want to keep playing stupid game, by the way, again, they don't have a kicker, and they're going to bring somebody in, but that's that's kind of serious. If there's an issue with a field goal, a kickoff, extra point, these are serious issues, especially in a game which you believe is somehow going to be close. It's just crazy to me. Anyways, before we take a break, I want to run one more thing uh, past you. Uh, this is massive credit and kudos to my executive producer, J.J. Leahy, which is kind of a made-up title, but it's uh, it's what uh, I call him when he helps me with stuff like this, and I am very happy. So if you've been listening, you might remember that uh, there's a certain guy on the football team, and I, I, I always call guys by certain names, and sometimes I have a hard time budging off it. But one of the ones that I'm not convinced on is Shamar John Charles slash Shamar Jean Charles. I've been saying Jean Charles... And basically, it, it was flooded out there, right? Everybody's out there saying, it's not Gene or Jean, it's John, you idiots. I think somebody wrote into Insider Box for the Packers, very angry that it's John Charles, not Gene Charles. That's not how you say his name. And I said on this podcast, I don't know, I watched his college tape and all the announcers said Gene Charles. So until I hear Shamar Gene Charles say John Charles, I'm going to call him Gene Charles. Because, you know, a lot of weird stuff with people's names and whatnot. Anyways, uh, JJ decided to do a little bit of legwork, and this is what he found. Here it is. Tell me if you pick up on anything. Hello, my name is Shamar Jean Charles. I'm a student athlete here at Appalachian State University. I'm also a double major. Wait, what, what, what did he say? What was that know-it-alls? Hold on, hold on, hold on. There's another video here. Let me, let me I think I misunderstood that. Let, let's listen to this one. 
My name is Shamar Jean Charles. I'm from Miramar, Florida, and I attend Appalachian State University. Shamar Jean Charles. Oh, man. That's crazy. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that it was Shamar Jean Charles? That's crazy. We all thought it was Shamar John Charles. That's what some angry old lady said on Insider Box. That's what people want to message me all the time about how I'm saying everybody's name wrong. I'm a face. How about that one? Got that one, didn't I? Unless he's saying his own name wrong on his own assignment for school, whatever this assignment is. He said it kind of fast, but there's clearly an E sound in there. You don't say John and there's like an E sound in the middle. John with an E sound in the middle is Jean. Shamar Jean Charles. You're welcome. You now know how to say his name properly. Unlike everybody that doesn't listen to this podcast. That might not be true because maybe somebody else said it on their podcast, but as far as I know, everybody else says it wrong. And you and I, we got this figured out, man. We did it. Oh, all right, let's take a break and we'll rip through some information about the training camp and whatnot. Who's looking good? Who's looking bad? Who's going to make the team and all that stuff? Super important information. <laughs> How's that for a sales pitch to stick around? I'm sorry. I just want to get started, man. I'm just fired. I just want I want to see football. I don't want to talk about, you know, Kylan Hill, it looks fast. Okay, okay. I love it the first week of training camp. The 50th week of training camp, like, dude, all right, all right, whatever. It's fine. No, it's I, I love it, man. I love speed and agility and receptions. It's great. But uh, anyways, before we take a break, really quickly, thank you. And I don't exactly know where I left off, but I think... Thank you to Daniel Davis and a very gigantic, massive thank you to Seth Reiter for your enormous donation to the Palmer Home. Thank you very, very much for that. And then thank you to Mr. Mike Berthold for jumping in on Patreon. Uh, one other thing real quick, and I, I don't have a link or anything right now. Was, there's two things. Um, I just found on my Patreon thing, they have these exit interviews. You know, when you cancel, they ask you, why did you cancel? And for several people... It um, kind of was brought up that it just, Patreon was the problem. I do have this thing, it's it's coffee, ko-fi.com. I've had it for a while, I just, I haven't been posting the links or anything to it, but it's there. It's, a, it's an alternative, and it does give you the option to um, do recurring uh, memberships or whatever. I don't know if that would fix the people that left's problem. Some of those weren't super detailed, just, you know, Patreon I mean, I've had people reach out directly and say they just they can't support me on Patreon because they don't like Patreon, which is fine. But just for anybody that wanted to and felt like Patreon was the only way, and I'll try to get that set up better and get some more links and all that figured out for anybody that might be interested. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, fantasy football. I started sending out the invites to everybody that was involved in Palmer Home. Um, I probably sent you a link. Check your uh, Facebook DMs. Sometimes it says there's a request. That's probably me if you haven't done so yet. If you donated to the Palmer Home and I did not invite you yet, it's because I just went to Facebook and searched the names, and if I didn't see you, then I didn't send you one. If you donated and you want to play, just hit me up and say, hey, where's my link, and I'll send you the link. But you got to do it quickly because I'm going to, I think tomorrow, as in today when you're listening, I'm going to start inviting people from Patreon, and I'm going to start at the upper tiers. So, you know, the $20 a month tier, which I think there's only like three or four of them, they get first crack. I'm going to give that like a day, and then I'm going to start going down the tiers until it's full. Um, we've got about five or six slots open in this fantasy football league, and I'm going to open a second one, which will house another like 
I think, 13 more people. It's a 14-person, but obviously I'm one of them. So there's still a good amount of spots left, but there's also a lot of people that are going to want to get in, so it's going to fill up quickly. But uh, anyways, why don't we take a break, and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, so let's start with the comments from Matt LaFleur. Um, kind of just laying it out. Somewhat expected, but I guess we didn't know for sure. Aaron Rodgers um, probably not going to be playing at all uh, this next Saturday, may not be playing at all this preseason. Um, Again, we kind of knew that, but at the same time, Tampa, I guess, is saying that Tom Brady will play this week. So with only having three preseason games, I don't know who's shuffling what and how. It sounds like Tampa is at least going to have their starters play week one. We'll see what happens or how much they play and then what happens weeks two and three or what the Packers' plans are. But it sounds like for this Saturday, it's going to be a heavy, heavy dose of Jordan Love and then a little bit of Kurt Bankert, which is perfectly fine with me. Because if the whole game was played by Jordan Love, I'd be happy. No offense to Kurt. I just really, see, and I'm going to contradict myself here. I really want to know what we have in Jordan Love. And I'm going to follow that up by saying this preseason game has nothing to do with how he ultimately turns out. But it's still going to be good to just see where he's at. You know what I mean? I mean... If he looks good, that's going to make you feel good. Doesn't mean he's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback, but it is nice to see. If he looks bad, that's not good, right? That's It's just not. That's a fair assessment that, you know, if you're a really good quarterback, you shouldn't be playing poorly. Doesn't mean he's going to be a terrible quarterback necessarily, and I, I did some work on that. I'm going to have some statistics. I think I just I forgot to paste it into my notes for today, but just to kind of show you, and it was pretty shocking, um, some guys who did really, really well and some guys who did really, really terribly in their first preseason action. I don't want to say it's exactly inverse, but I would I would bet if I sort if I ranked them and just said you know is it is it sorted from best to worst or worst to best some people would not be able to figure that out. But anyways, Jordan Love, 
Um, let's see. He says Aaron Jones and Kenny Clark, who missed practice yesterday, could be out a week or so, which is not exciting or fantastic, but it is what it is. Somewhat common, I believe Kenny was injured around week one. Aaron Jones is kind of frequently injured, I believe, in training camp. But, um, you know, again, if, if we can get that out of the way and hopefully they come back, you know, these soft tissue type things are, um, I think that's what Kenny has. I'm not positive about Aaron Jones, but th- those can linger. And so we'll we'll see how it goes. But obviously they're, they're having no reason to stress them at all, right? They're very comfortable resting them. And so if they don't get out of bed once <laughs> until week one, um, so be it. Uh, he did go on to say there are no long-term concerns for any of the guys who missed practice yesterday, but indicated it could be a week or so before see any before we see any of them again, which I kind of just said. But um, so at worst for any of the guys that are out, and I don't have that list in front of me today, but um, a couple weeks maybe. Um, Shamar Jean Charles did go to the podium. I wonder if did they they may have even said it in the press conference. I don't know. Anyways, uh, Packers rookie Shamar Jean Charles said he played most boundary corner in college. He focused on showing he could play slot in college showcase games before the draft. So just trying to prove to NFL teams he can do it toward the end of the season last year or whatever. Um, Quote, making that transition up here, it's been smooth. So it's tough, but he's working on it. And that also kind of goes to, you know, I, I can't speak for you necessarily, but I feel like a lot of fans, myself included, when you see a guy like Shamar and you say, all right, this is going to be our new slot guy and I'm real excited and he's super talented. And then you find out Chandon's probably running away with this thing. It's like, oh man, that stinks. Dude, I mean, this is what Chandon does and Shamar is just starting to get his footing. I mean, I know this is like a daily thing we talk about, but it just, it makes a lot of sense. And when they just break it down like that, how he's just starting to get a grasp of how this whole thing works. It's like, oh yeah, I guess that makes sense that he wouldn't just be that guy right away. Uh, Gene Charles on transition to slot quote has been a different ball game playing on the inside he says wide receivers have two ways to go in the middle of the field is something he's needed to adjust to he sees shiftier receivers but he's enjoyed the move inside it's been fun so everything about it granted he has done it in the past but everything about it is is relatively new and to try to make a jump from college to pro while also shifting position um, that's kind of crazy and I can imagine extremely difficult uh, one takeaway I had from KB Onento, who went to the front, uh, the, the podium, hardest part of moving from receiver to cornerback, he said, quote, just learning how to do everything backwards, literally. Everything is inverted now. I'm still trying to get the technique down, still fixing my eyes. I just thought that was kind of an interesting perspective that I never really thought about. It's kind of like going from left tackle to right tackle. Maybe not the best example. It's probably a little harder than that. But it is like opposite, right? So everything that you you train your right foot, your right leg, your right knee, your right hand to do, you have to now train your left hand to do and everything and vice versa. And it's the same like if you think about a post route. If you're a wide receiver and you've been doing this since you were a child, it's it's not just a simple matter of you run this way and then you slant into that way, right? You, you run at an angle and, and toward the middle of the field. It's every single thing about how you bend, how you push off, how you do all it. And it's everything that you know about a post is inverted now. I mean, granted, instead of running forward, you're backpedaling or whatever else, but it's just, you know, your right is, is their left and vice versa. Outside is inside, inside is outside, right is left, left is right. Thought it was interesting. Then finally, Tadaro Slayton, again, only took away one little note on that. I will say, him standing at the podium, it's like, geez. I mean, I knew he was a big dude, but he just looks, he looks scary. Packers TJ Slayton says he's trying to prove himself during his first team reps. So far, he had a tip from today and previous interception. The defense keeps tracks for some light internal competition. So he's even acknowledging he's just trying to prove himself out there. He's, he's in that stage, in that phase where he's not on the same level as all these other guys. 
and he's just trying to prove he can hang. But it's also kind of cool that they've got these little competitions. As far as training camp, um, practice was two hours. Uh, Rashawn Gary did come back. He was out for one day yesterday. Uh, he came back today. Kevin King is starting to work his way out into the field. He's just in the rehab group, kind of like where um, DeGuara was for a long time, where he's out there doing stuff, but it's mostly just on the side rehab type stuff. So he's just getting to that stage. Uh, it's, it's it's not good for Kevin. I mean, I'm still leaning he takes the job week one, but at this point, I don't know. I mean, he's always injured. He's injured again. He's got no work in the offseason, and I understand he's a veteran and he can handle it, whereas Stokes, maybe not so much, but it's it's kind of iffy. I mean, it's for a for as positive as I was at the very least that Stokes wouldn't just start week one. It's it's it, you got to force it back in the other direction at least a little bit. Uh, the one offensive note I had still a ton of movement, misdirection, and motion in this Matt Lafleur offense. Quarterback notes: Love tries to loft the ball over the defense that should have been picked off, instead just deflected away. Those are the plays Love needs to clean up. I think I saw Aaron Nagler kind of. Um, I don't know if it was to this tweet or something else, but kind of clarify some things, basically saying, you know, when things are going well, he looks real clean, you know, clean pocket, that whole thing. But when things kind of break down is when he just kind of falls apart. And granted, those are the things that you kind of build up over time. So, I mean, I'll, I'll take I'll take the fact that he's at least for half the time going to be a good quarterback. But in the NFL, things break down probably more often than they don't in some level or another, probably just about every play, depending on how, how you want to define breakdown. You know, running a perfect play probably never happened. Anyways, continuing on, Aaron Rodgers flushes the pocket right, carries all the way down the sideline, buys enough time to find Devontae wide open for about 20 yards. Later, he fires a ball from pocket to Robert Tunyon for a touchdown. When Love uncorks a pass, it's a laser fastball to Malik Taylor on a slant. Love to Sternberger over the middle for a big pickup in two minutes. Nice throw from Love. Love shows nice touch on a deep ball to DeAndre Tompkins, who catches it over the shoulder for 33. Clocked it with 22 seconds left at the defensive nine-yard line. Jordan Love's last two-minute drill stalled at the five-yard line, hit DeAndre Tompkins for 31 pass over 31-yard pass over Kadar Holman to spark the drive, but overthrew Malik Taylor out of the back of the end zone on fourth and goal. Love was three of seven for 57 yards on that drive, which isn't great. However, somebody else kind of clarified a little bit later. Jordan Love should have had touchdown in two minutes on a 41-yard bomb to DeAndre Tompkins, but coaches put the ball at the nine to see if he could get it from there. So basically, they ran a two-minute drill, and he did get a touchdown. He's, they succeeded. But they said, no, nah, we're going to pretend he went down at the nine and just to see because we need to see. It's too easy for you to just throw a bomb and get a touchdown. That's like You're not getting enough practice. So good on the coaches, but I'm, I'm giving them credit for a touchdown on that drive because it was. Wide receiver notes, um, awesome battle in the goal line one-on-one between MVS and Stokes. Great coverage, but MVS skies for the catch. However, he's ruled out of bounds. The MVS hype is really, really ramping up. Um, I'm not going to stand in front of it and try to you know, dissuade anybody from being excited. I've said what I said about MVS. It's unlikely that he has a breakout, but everything that you need to hear about a guy who's about to break out, we're hearing. And I don't want to put too much stock into it, but I also don't want to take too much away from it. We'll just see how it goes. But you know, for a guy people worry about drops, he's had no drops. Uh, I shouldn't say no drops, but he's been very good. His hands have been fantastic. His routes sound like they're real good. I mean, he's just he's just out there beating guys. So I'm still heavily skeptical. But um, from what I've heard, it sounds like the guy's just absolutely tearing it up. And that's obviously exciting. Adams versus Alexander in red zone. Clean release. Touchdown to the corner from Benkert. 
Wild play by Funches, who absolutely mossed Josh Jackson. Huge play by Funches. Funches had a good one-on-one period in the red zone, beat Josh Jackson, clean off the line on a slant, and then again on a fade to the corner. Seemingly excited about his performance, he removed his helmet in the end zone. Boy, oh boy, he, he better just cool it, because that's, that's out of control. He should be fined and arrested and thrown in, thrown in ad seg or something. Lazard uncovers from Stokes and picks up a really nice gain. Great find from Rodgers. And then Amari Rodgers, not just a receiver, the rookie just lined up in the backfield and took a handoff from Aaron Rodgers. I know that's technically a running back note, kind of, but he's a wide receiver, so I wanted to put that out there. I think the full, somebody else tweeted how this play kind of came to be, but it didn't really make a ton of sense. But sounds like maybe there was a two-back set because somebody else had said that A.J. Dillon actually motioned out to receiver and then Amari Rodgers got the handoff. Nobody said that Amari Rodgers motioned into the backfield. If that happened, I don't know. But either he motioned into the backfield or it was a two-back set with Amari and A.J. Dillon, which we have heard is a thing already. So pretty cool. Running back notes with Aaron Jones currently out. Rookie seventh-round pick Kylan Hill took some reps with the number one offense yesterday. Start of preseason games will start to define the competition at the number three running back position. Really nice grab by Dillon up the right sideline with Barnes and tight coverage during the uh, one-on-ones. Nice run by Kylan Hill, and then another one. Packers found a gem in Kylan Hill. His vision is great, and his cuts are money. Trying to parse out how to say that. Patrick Taylor showing off impressive vision on a nice run. A truly impressive cut by Patrick Taylor, who is such a unique plant of plant of burst and power. <laughs> Whatever. I'm super excited to watch him in the preseason. Um, somebody says, if today's reps are any, any indication, the running back depth chart is currently Jones, Dylan, Kylan. Kylan seeing the bulk of number two reps today and even getting some snaps with the one. So again, to to understand exactly what he's saying here, he's not saying because he's been better, because that's kind of subjective. He's saying based on the amount of reps that he's getting. And that that says something, because this is the you know least experienced of the bunch, and he's getting number one reps uh, on on some levels. And and you when you pair that with the reports that he's really, really good at running the football, it kind of does sound like Kylan might be that guy right now. Um, especially when, again, the default is going to be Dexter or Patrick Taylor because they have the experience. The fact that he's already leapfrogged the guys that have been here, potentially, or you know, maybe, that that's uh, pretty crazy. Finally, really strong day from Patrick Taylor today. He's going to be, he's doing his best to make up for lost time. So it, it sounds pretty clear to me that Dexter is low man on this totem pole. I mean, he's he's been around a real long time. Um, there have been some general notes about Dexter having a good camp and whatnot, but I really think, you know, Kylan and Patrick Taylor have had better and and at least more specific, you know, I mean, you see like Dexter ran for five yards or whatever, which is great, but, you know, nothing specific to anything he's necessarily doing. I don't see like great bursts, great vision, anything like that. It's just he had six carries and, you know, five yards per carry on those. So it was a good day for him. The other guys, it's it's all about the, the descriptions, the adjectives. Tight end notes, DeGuara working at H back with the ones again, so he's back uh, working out and doing things. Real excited about that. Rodgers hits Tunyon deep, roughly 40 yards with tight coverage on one of the nicest throws and catches of camp so far. Finally, Mercedes Lewis just caught a pass from Aaron Rodgers in the left flat for about 10 yards. That might have been his first catch of camp by my recollection. Offensive line notes, Elton Jenkins is unbeatable in one-on-one drills. He takes care of Preston Smith twice, burying him on the second rep. Sure looks like left tackle is in capable hands until David Bakhtiari returns. Ben Braden is at left guard with the ones to start team period. 
Rodgers carries out an incredible play fake, finds Big Dog on the backside, and Elton Jenkins is right there to lead the way. Big man was running and looking for someone to hit. So that's obviously the same play we just talked about with Mercedes catching the pass, but this was a different note by somebody else, which is why it's cool we've got so many people there because they all, first of all, see different things, but also see things differently. And uh, whoever it was that posted this noticed Elton Jenkins just out on a war path. Uh, one defensive note I had, Rodgers has all day to throw off play action, but nowhere to go. Defense had great coverage. And um, I listened to a little bit of um, Brady over at Green Bay Packer Nation, the Facebook group. He's he's there at training camp. He's going to be there the next several days, I believe. And um, the one thing that he was talking about a lot is how good the defense looked, especially that defensive front. They were stonewalling everybody. Uh, the pass rush really looked on point, but there was a lot of different stuff. There's a lot of, you know, the coverage was really doing a good job. The pressure was there. The run defense was there. Obviously not perfect because we just went through some of the offensive notes, but um, a lot of people that were there, it seems like we're really impressed with some of the stuff the defense was doing. Defensive tackle notes, Slayton with the ones on defense again with Clark out, Lancaster at nose tackle. Jack Heflin gets an early look with the ones on defense. Packers currently with a four-man defensive line. Interesting. Lowry, Slayton, Heflin, and Lancaster. Wasn't a goal line or run-stopping situation. That is really weird, especially when you consider our defensive coordinator. Um, where it's like anytime you get a new D coordinator, it's like, well, yeah, they're going to have some weird wrinkles. But it's, it's definitely not something I would expect from someone who's more of a 3-4 purist. But anyways, TJ Slayton, who will be speaking today, deflects an Aaron Rodgers pass at the line of scrimmage. And Delonte Scott with stuff with a stuff at the line of scrimmage. You hear the dog barking upstairs? Crazy dogs. Crazy dogs. Uh, kind of a light day for edge rush. Uh, Rashawn, I think, I'm guessing, is kind of taking it easy. Zadarius is still not back. Um, but anyways, Jonathan Garvin knives through for a would-be sack pressure. Got a bit too close to Rogers' feet, but a nice play. Waiver claim Chauncey Rivers just swam past Kelly for a sack. Sud- very sudden movement on the rush. And then uh, Tippa was out there with the ones during two-minute. Cornerback notes, Stokes is a starter opposite Jair. Kind of a no-brainer, but it's, it is it is nice to to know that because you just just to reassure everybody, I guess, with Kevin King not being there, you don't want to start seeing like, you know, they're going to try Shamar and just see how it goes. Like, oh, no, don't do this. Don't start losing faith in the guy. Which kind of, if you think about it, I don't think they would do that for that reason. They've talked extensively about how they just like how he keeps his head up. If it was somebody else, they might want to give somebody else a shot, but I don't think they want to get in his head or get him in his own head um, by thinking that maybe they're moving on from him or whatever. So anyways, Rodgers uncorks a deep ball to MVS down the right sideline. Had a step on Jair Alexander, but Jair put his hand up at the last second. Deflection incomplete. Cornerback Jair Alexander shuts down offense in two minutes with perfect coverage on a deep ball to Adams and MVS. He broke up the second one in the end zone on fourth down. So Jair still just... Still just a psycho, man. He's I, That guy's so awesome. I'm so happy we have Jair. Safety notes, Ennis Gaines interception on one-on-ones. The best undrafted free agent at camp so far, in my opinion. I think that's Herman. Just made another diving pass breakup in one-on-ones. Savage diving pass breakup versus Sternberger. Henry Black with an interception. Adrian Amos has been everywhere today. Good coverage on Devontae Adams earlier in the uh, in the flat earlier. Then he covers a deep ball from Aaron Rodgers to Josiah DeGuara. Amos jumps it. In the left seam, almost makes the pick, settles for a pass breakup. Phenomenal play by Christian Uphoff with a diving pass breakup. Love was looking for Amari. And then the only special teams note I have, uh, Cobb and Amari Rogers were the punt return team for the day. So anyways, that's it. You're all caught up. Um, 
think that's it. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.